0: Right. Faith. Faith is an action word. Okay? Faith is an action word. I'm just going to give you some of the things that I've learned about faith. And I've got to keep it short because we're doing question and answer afterwards. But I was diagnosed with cancer um, a year ago. And it's um, not nice experience. But the word God gave to me is in Luke 17, 14. And it talks about how the the 10 lepers cried out to Jesus. And they said, Lord, heal us, heal us. And Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priests. And it says, as they went, They were cleansed. Or as the um, Amplified Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed and healed. If you want God to show up in your life in any circumstance, as you go, as you participate, as you press in, God will come through. So faith is an action word. Another thing that I've learned You do what you can and God will do what you can't. So, you know, with my uh, cancer, I go to the doctor and they give me dawa, sorry, I'm talking in Swahili. Um, They give you medication, you take it and you trust God. Some people just throw it all away. But I have learned myself that you do what you can and God will do what you can't, okay? Another thing that I've learned in faith, the local church is a faith factory. The local church is a faith factory. You know, when I first got saved, got into a church, and I loved to be there. I like riding motorbikes, okay? I'm 72 and I've still got a motorbike. (laughs) And the good thing about riding motorbikes in, in Kenya, there's no speed limit enforced. So when I was first saved, guys I worked with and that had motorbikes and, that, and they'd say, oh Robin, on Sundays we're going out for a bush ride. I love riding in the bush. And you know, it's m- much better than going down a smooth road at 160. Much better flying through the air and having fun. But I didn't go because my commitment was to the local church. And yes, I can't ride as good as if I'd gone all those Sundays out with the other guys, but I learned to stay in the faith factory. We are in a place, and there is so much today, people talking about, oh, we we don't have to go to church. Well, that's true. But the sad thing is, those that don't get to the faith factory, the local church, Usually, my generation, I'm just looking back, you know, I've been saved over 50 years. Their kids are not the powerhouses in God that they should be or that they could be. The local church has an incredible uh, development factor of being together. You know, most people if they want to be a bodybuilder. They go to the gym and they compete with each other, right? You don't see many real great muscle men just doing it by themselves. To push our faith, to build our muscles. You know, faith is like a muscle, we've got to keep working it. And the big tough guys go to the gym not just out on the bush by themselves because nobody knows that they're strong or not. (laughs) And it's the same here. We are here together and we build each other's faith. There's great benefits of the local church. I've seen in crises the local church comes through. We've just been through COVID. And in COVID, we work in the, in the largest slum in Africa, over a million people in Kibera slum. And the problem with COVID, tourism got shut down in Kenya. A lot of manufacturing got shut down. And the people in the slums, they work today, you eat tomorrow. No work today, no food tomorrow. Not very good in the time of COVID, is it? And so Margaret and I, we have a, a small program where we, where we take food parcels to desperate people, and we work with the church that we helped build up in, in Kibera, and they identify families. Of course, at the time of COVID, the needs were huge. And the amazing thing, the church was identifying people and we just had to trust God. Perhaps I should have told people, hey, we're in a crisis, but we never did. We just trusted God and we saw money just pour in. My home church pastor just called me up and says, look, would you like some money during this time? $20,000 and I worked out, this is a rough estimate. We fed, did about one million meals into that slum over the COVID time. And it was, if you want your faith to grow, get a passion for souls. If you don't have that, ask God for it. But again, it builds in the faith factory. I started in ministry. My home church was was wanting to do an outreach on Friday nights and they hired this room. And the first ministry opportunity I had was with a paintbrush, painting this dungy old place to be an outreach. And I wonder now, If I didn't pick up the paintbrush, would I be where I am now? You know, God gives us simple opportunities. And I was made the leader of that because I was the only one that would show up regularly with the paintbrush. Me and my cousin. You know? Started with a paintbrush. And then we reached Souls. And Margaret, she runs a program of training Sunday school teachers. And she started off doing this training and they they, they build it around play. She can tell you more about it when she comes up. But they build it around building relationships with kids. And before long, she started off with a team of five. And then it grew to 10, then to 20, then to 50, now it's 70 and beyond. And you know what? It's interesting when God does that. We'd just been on furlough, we'd raised money, but we hadn't promoted and believed God for this. And all of a sudden, Margaret's got these trainings. She started off having one a month, and sometimes she has four at the same time because she had got teams all over Kenya. Sometimes in in other nations. And we didn't have the money. But you know what? We just trusted God. And you know what? When God tells you to do something, the money is there. We don't have to panic. Another one is living a generous lifestyle. I was saved two weeks and one of the elders of the church took me aside and explained to me the principle of tithing. And so I went away and I started to think about this. Giving 10% of what I was earning to the Lord. And then I realised when I, I used to give the barman on a Saturday night after rugby more than 10%. Yeah, I was sometimes in a not a good way. Um, And I said, how can I give God less than the barman? So I decided I would double ties, because I couldn't give God less than the barman. And I did not realize that God was, through that, challenging me to an adventure of faith. Because that's what our lives are for. I see many Christians spinning their wheels, not going anywhere. We need an adventure of faith. And you know what? Margaret and I see God do miracles of provision time and time and time again. Because we do what God says And when you do what God says, he shows up and provides. I remember one time when... I'll have a support. Um, Thank you for the bottle. I remember one time when we were going to our son's wedding. And I do believe in... Practicing good financial principles, like saving money, you know. So my son was marrying his, uh, he met his girlfriend at school in Kenya. Her parents were missionaries in Rwanda. And so they were going to get married in the States. And in that particular region of the States, they practice a thing where the bride's parents pay for the wedding but they do a rehearsal dinner. So on a Friday night, you have a practice for the wedding. And then the parents and the party and everything go out. And the groom's father pays for that. So uh, I was very happy I didn't have to pay the thousands of dollars uh, for the wedding. But we saved up this money. And I had the money aside for this. It was about 25 people going out to a restaurant. And... I'd saved up the money, and then the pastor's wife of the church we are working with in the slums came to me, and she said, look, there's a young man that's coming to our program. He had an accident and has broken his leg. They put him into the government hospital, and and she said, look, if we don't get him out of the government hospital, he's gonna get gangrene and lose his leg. So I said to her, look, there's a mission hospital, go there, find out what it'll it'll cost, and come back to me. So she came back, told me the amount. It was the same amount of money as this rehearsal dinner was gonna cost. Now what do you do? Do you risk your son's wedding? Anyhow, I've learned listen to the Holy Ghost. So I went into my office and said, Lord, you know I've got the money, but it's for this rehearsal dinner. What do I do? Have a guess what he told me to do. Give it away. So we gave the money and then we had three months until we were leaving. And I've seen this time and time again, God tells you to give and You know, so the first month's income comes in and I look at it, believing that it would have some extra for this. Wasn't there. Second month, I get the email looking at it. It wasn't there. Third month, it wasn't there. And I said, Lord, what are you up to? Anyhow, comes time for us to get on the plane, Margaret and I go to the airport, and uh, are heading off to America. And then, as we get there, they say, well, sorry, the flight is overbooked. It's telling me my minutes are up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So let me finish the story, and then, then we'll... So... Um, we get to the airport, go to check-in, and they say, sorry, the flight is overbooked, but we can take you tomorrow. And they said, you can hang around and see if any seats become available, but we don't think so. So we hung around and hung around. And uh, then I heard this American, uh, after the plane had gone, this American says, what is the compensation package? And, you know, something like that, I... I have Scottish ancestry, you know. (laughs) Ah. So they said, look, uh, compensation, you'll have to talk to the airline office tomorrow morning. So they put us in a hotel in Nairobi overnight and we went down to the airport, uh, I mean to the uh, airline's office and the compensation package was exactly what we needed for the rehearsal dinner. God wants us to have fun in faith. It's not a laborious thing. It, it, it's, he wants us to have an adventure of faith. Amen.
1: Awesome, why don't we just, uh, we'll just give him a hand. <laughs> just, uh, just stay up here. Uh, what we're gonna do now um, the uh, the guys are just going to set up a couple of chairs and, and a table up here. We're going to do a uh, we're going to do a bit of a and A session, and um, obviously the details up on the screen already. We want you to to send your questions in, um, text them in. You can do that now. Um, we're we we're, we're going to try and keep on the on the topic of faith. Um, and and Margaret, we invite you to come up as well. They'll bring um, yeah, grab a seat. They'll they'll bring another chair. It's coming slowly. It's all good. How are you all doing so far? Was that good? Feeling encouraged? Excellent. Uh, I, th- I think they're going to bring another one. We'll, we'll put it over here. That's, that's the more comfortable chair anyway. We'll move this out of the way. All right, I'll do my best. I, this, I, I've not done this before, so <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have told you that. Um, all right, so so let me just I'll just log in. The messages will come to my laptop here. So yes, yeah, so so church, I encourage you just do just just. This is the one time you're allowed to use your phone at church, it's okay, make sure it's on silent, <laughs> but um, I encourage you to, to send your questions in. Um, we're we're, we're going to try and keep on the, on the topic of faith, um, but um, we'll, we'll probably have some other questions in there as well, just because just uh, I think the church are probably wanting to know a little bit also about the things that you guys are doing over uh, in Kenya, and, and maybe a little bit about family and things like that as well. Um, just while some of those questions um, are coming in, uh, I've got a couple already, just, just the first one I would... Wanted to ask about. Um, I, I guess you've both been in uh, in ministry now a really long time. Um, I, was it 1983? I think the first time. Yep. Over, over moving over to Kenya, and um, I guess for people here this morning who are who feel like they they've been called to something, they feel like God's given them a, a call, uh, and they're not quite sure yet to take that step. Um, what, how would you encourage them? You know, what, for you, what was it that made you say yes to that call all that time ago? Sorry, we'd, yeah, we need microphones. <laughs> it, is, it is my first time. Forgive me. <laughs>
2: Assuming it's on. Uh, oh, hello, everybody. Um, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to Hope Point. What a faithful people... You are, you've been so loving and faithful to us. And that's, um, that's two of the attributes of our Lord. He's loving and he's faithful. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and for your love.
0: Now to the question, you start where you are. You know, I, I started ministry with a paintbrush. I started in my local church. That's what I'm talking about. It's a faith factory. Before you want to go to Africa or Asia and raise the dead, you start here by praying for a drunk on the streets. For me, it's um,
2: the same. But uh, uh, on top of that, seeking the Lord and believing God for his voice. Like, you know, the scriptures are so... Uh, you know, I have life scriptures that God spoke to me. Even when I was first baptized, um, it was thirteen years before I went. You know, after I was baptized, before I went to the mission field, but I knew that God had called me to missions. So it's those those times alone with God where you seek His face and get on his get on your knees and and ask God. He, he gives us the desires of our hearts. I believe that means he gives us that desire, that passion to do what he wants us to do.
1: Um, just, you know, b- back on this, uh, this topic of the, the, the faith factory and, and how important it is um, to be connected to the church. What, uh, if, if, if someone's, um, the question here is that someone's currently struggling with, with, with an offence, and dealing with that, what, what can you say, what advice can you give them about that no offense. With, uh, with the church?
0: You know, there's no church with perfect people. Oh, I, I have seen some in the very north of New Zealand. There's, there's some perfect churches. All the people have moved away, and the church is there by itself. <laughs> but, yes... Unfortunately, the church, so many of us, we wear hobnailed boots. You know, we, we stomp on people's toes. But there's no perfect church. And we've just got to learn to find a place where we fit and get in there and stay with it. That, that, that's my feeling.
2: Yeah. Seek first the kingdom of God and his... Righteousness. I just learned recently that that word righteousness can be translated right relationships, and uh, sometimes our relationships are messed up by our words, the things we say. But relationships, bottom line. So if someone's hurt you, and this is for, I'm hearing about marriages as well. The the most one of the hardest things to do but it's the most powerful, is to forgive.
1: Very good. Um, We've got got a question. uh, It's it's around longevity in ministry now. Obviously, both of you have been in in ministry now for a really long time. Um, And the question is, you know, how do you you keep your faith alive for so long?
0: I, I think if you are pushing yourself in faith... Listening to God, one of the biggest things is to tune your ear to what God is saying, and He tells you to do crazy things like giving away money that you've saved up. Um, but when he's come through, and now we're, we're, you know, seeing lives changed every week. We're, we we're, we're uh, seeing God's financial miracles, you know, uh, every week. It's and, and, and I believe we're missing out. The Australian church is missing out because if we will hear from God and obey what he says, our lives become an adventure. It's exciting when, you know, I used to get a bit uptight when my money was run out. Now, I, when, when I've run out of money, I cross my arms and smile and say, hey, God, what are you going to do? You know, I'm looking for the next miracle. And he's never let us down. Mm,
2: that's one of my mantras, he never lets us down. However, there's a little word called doubt, which of course is the opposite to faith. And uh, there have been times that we, we do doubt. But it's, yeah... We just have to hold on to God. Just have to go to Him, yeah, and trust Him.
1: There's a there's a there's there's a few questions that have come through um, around this this sort of topic, and I guess uh, the, the, so. The questions around how do you how do you keep moving forward in uh, how do you keep moving forward in God despite having disappointments, and you know I, I would imagine obviously over a long time in ministry, there's going to be times where you've, where you've had disappointments and things haven't gone uh, the way that you had hoped and the way that you'd prayed. How do you, how do you keep pushing through that?
0: You know, the, one of the hardest times we've ever had is we lost our daughter. 17-year-old daughter died in a road accident. And the presence of God was with us, particularly mm-hmm. the first year, mm-hmm. in an incredible way. Um, it doesn't mean to say that when you're an adventure of faith that, you know, the mud doesn't hit you, because it does. We're living in a fallen world, and part of that fallen world, you know, interest rates go up and our mortgage payments to the bank go up, you know. We get affected by that, but we... It does not mean to say that God is not going to provide. You know, what the world say, we often believe. And yet the word of God supersedes anything that the world says. So the world says, oh, your interest rates are going up, your mortgage is going to be paid, uh, a struggle to be paid. Yes, that's a reality. But they don't mention that we serve a God that does incredible things, and when you do what you can, like paying your, paying your mortgage that's gone up by 50%, and, and do you do an extra job or a few hours? Sometimes that's sensible, sometimes it's not possible. But God is able to come through with you. You don't have to be on the mission field for God not to come through and supply and do a miracle for you.
2: Other people is my answer to that. We need each other. Building relationships. It's we can't do it on our own. We need and hope we has has been there for us. When we've had tough times, you you, you you've um, you've been praying for us and we've we've been the recipient of answers to prayer because of, of other people, other people's prayers.
1: And just um and just on that same sort of topic as well. Um, what have you found to be the biggest challenge to your faith? And and what have you done to overcome that?
2: For me, it's being hurt by people. Again, it's back to people. But the biggest challenge is is people that have been close to us. um, uh, What's the word? Rejecting us. Rejection, I think, is a huge thing, especially by people that we've trusted
0: yeah, you know, Christians are good at stabbing each other in the back, <laughs> but that's their problem. If somebody stabs me in the back, yes, I've got to evaluate myself: have I done something wrong? Maybe I've said something unwise. But so I evaluate myself. But most of the problem, if the stabbing in the back happens, which happens regularly in the church. I'm not just talking about this church, I'm I'm talking about regularly in the broader aspect of the church. It is their problem. It's not my problem. So you just focus on Jesus, and yes, it hurts, Um, and brings separation from you and your friends sometimes, but you just focus on Jesus and stay in a local church.
1: And um, uh, what, what, uh, what advice can you give to people about how do you build faith? So they, uh, for example, um, brand new Christians, and you know, what, what sort of steps should they take to be able to build their faith?
0: You know, we, we carry around a test of faith, every one of us. It's right here in my back pocket, my wallet. That is where God started with Margaret and I testing us, whether we would give. And after you've seen, hearing God doing what he says, you know, it's so, so easy if God speaks to you and says, look, you see that lady across the road waiting at the bus stop? Go and give her $10. You go over there, And you give her $10 and she says, how do you know? How did you know? I didn't even have the bus fare to go home. I lost my purse. And then you start getting excited saying, hey, I've heard from God. We all dream of, you know, like Peter and John walking in the temple and the beggar beggar says, give me some money. And they say, no, we don't have any, but in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. We all dream of that. But it starts with small things. And that's where it often starts with a $10 gift to the granny over the road, right? So it's a faith exercise. But, you know, he leads us all differently, but, but I have found uh, with our wallet is often the way that God has tested me to start with and built my faith, right? And then, of course, there's the word of God, too. You know, when I'm faced with this cancer, there's a... a, a a preacher from America that reads scripture, and it's called John Hagee, Healing Scriptures. And I listened to it for a whole hour. This guy reads on healing, and he reads another scripture, and then he comments just one or two lines and reads another scripture. And after listening to that, you do not doubt that God is in the healing business, right? So filling your mind with the word of God is very, very powerful, you know. Hmm.
2: Um, I'm, I'm not sure if this answers your question, but I want to share a wee testimony anyway. So I, I, we train children's workers and uh, once or twice a year in the last few years we've been training the facilitators, t- teaching them how to facilitate other groups of of children's workers and so we had invited this one father who uh, he's a pastor and he struggles to pay his school fees for his children and he he really doesn't have a lot but we had invited him and he decided he would come to the training and even though he he said he had no toothbrush he had no toothpaste and uh, no soap to you know he had he had to leave all he had with with his family, but his daughter, who's just 17, said to her, said to him, "Dad, you should go, even if you don't have what it takes. You 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 should go because this will will really help you." So, the 17-year-old, it was like a walk of faith also for for her. But um, what uh, what that pastor didn't know was that as um, as a As a gift, I had prepared for all of the the participants, I prepared toothpaste, toothbrushes and soap. And so when he got there and then he shared this testimony in the group, I'm like, I just started to cry. It's a a little thing. But, um, yeah, it spoke volumes not only to the pastor, but also to his daughter who was standing with him and encouraging him.
1: That's amazing. Um, we, we've had a, quite a few questions also, and, and you sort of started there already. Just uh, People want to know a little bit about what's um, what, what you're currently doing over um, in, in Kenya. Maybe if you just want to share uh, a couple of things that are happening, and maybe if you've got some testimonies as well, like that, that would be great to share. Yeah. Um, I'm
2: looking to see where they are. This church and our children's ministry training have something in common, because just three weeks ago, the team was in Ajumani, which is North Uganda, training uh, children's workers for at the, in the Sudanese uh, uh, refugee camp. So I, when you guys talk about your work with the Sudanese, I'm like, yeah, no. We are, we're an extension of, of uh, Hope Point, I think. <laughs> so um, yes, a team of five went up there. Um, uh, we we don't often do trainings outside of Kenya, but the last week, last year we've done a, just a couple. Uh, the trainings are, um, are are mostly done in the school holidays. So we're going to get back in time for uh, the April school holidays. So we'll be. Um, uh, I, I, I think we've probably got about 10 trainings happening in, the, in the sc- these school holidays. So we're believing for, for good things to happen. And I'm just, just thankful for the people that God's given me to work with. Um, I see Gwen sitting there. Gwen is a good friend of Miriam, who who's, she and I were the first two to start t- training together some 30 years ago, 25 years at least, and um, then we've, we've built up the team, and uh, we've got some some good uh, ladies, especially who are um, who are, are mentoring now, mentoring the others. And it's it's a program of mentorship, really. We, we just mentor others who will become mentors for for others. It's it's just a fantastic program. The tr- the training is out of Petra Institute. In South Africa, and it's a, the bottom line of the training is building relationships with the children through play and storytelling, and then we build on that in the subsequent trainings to train um, uh, to train spiritual maturity. And we also have a course called Walking with Wounded Children. So in fact, the the man I was just telling you about with the toothpaste is at the moment in Wanza. Uh, Tanzania, doing a training in, in uh, a church group on the Walking with Wounded Children course. So, yeah, good things are happening. Oh, and my my one testimony that is just so special. I was there in, in November, and my my team leader had said, "Oh, we've got a training where the pastor is deaf," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, okay, that sounds interesting." So I went there for the like, was. Eight hours drive from Nairobi, I went there for the graduation time for this church, and he was this. It really was a, he really was a deaf pastor, and he trained his his young uh, assistant pastors to do sign language. He had thirty people in his congregation who were also deaf. Out of the hundred and twenty people, thirty were deaf, not because they lived in that community, but because they. Um, it's like the Sudanese coming here. <laughs> Because they felt accepted, because they you, you know did the sign language for them, it, many many people came from from far away. And so then our team leader took one of the sons of the of the pastor, who of course he had six six children, but but um, of course, they could all do sign language because they had to communicate with their father <laughs> and then um, and then. Uh, we're we're training that young man. We're we're training him to become a facilitator, so that we've got a group of of facilitators who can teach the training in sign language.
0: Amazing. Yeah. No, I I work with a rehabilitation farm for street boys. These are street youth. Some of them are from from the prison. Um, they finish a a short sentence and then uh, we do interviews in the prison and outreaches in the prison and then they can apply to come and the chaplain at the prison um, recommends which ones we take and our team follow them up, do interviews. We have a contact centre in the Kibera slum we also take boys from and occasionally we get some from the courts in the diversion programme. and so these are 15 to 18 intake age. We have 75% success rate of those that come in, finish the two years of training, and we have 100% of those graduates that get jobs. And I'll tell you about one of the boys that I was just with. Um, what This guy had got caught uh, in the slum stealing So the people grabbed him. And you have to understand for the slum dwellers, they can work a whole year saving up money for a little 12-inch TV. And when somebody gets something new, then thugs break into their houses and steal it. So the slum dwellers just hate the thieves. So they got this guy, they put a tyre around his neck, poured kerosene over him, And then they asked, who's got the matches? And nobody had any matches. So one of the young guys in the crowd said, I'll go and get the matches. And he runs off as he's running across the road. A car hit him. And when the car hit this guy, the whole crowd rushed over to see what had happened to this guy. And here was this young guy that caught stealing, with a tire around his arms, uh, stinking of kerosene, but nobody there. So he whipped the tire off and took off. Some people asked him afterwards, did you see what happened to the guy that got hit by the car? He said, no, I wasn't looking back. I was running as fast as I could. And then we took him to the farm and express, because he'd been coming to our contact center. But we know that if the crowd saw him again in the slum, same thing would happen in this time that he mightn't be so lucky. So we took him to the farm and he's very delighted that he's there and not in the slums. So...
1: Wow. Last question. Um, how can we pray for you? What, what can we pray for, um, in, in, for, for you both and, and with your ministry?
0: Um, pray for our team because... You know, Margaret and I, we support ourselves in Kenya. We had a friend that did some investments for us, so we live on our own resources. Um, so all your money goes into ministry. All the money that we raise all goes into ministry. And um, so pray for our team. Margaret has a team of 70 uh, that are all over Kenya. Um, I have a team of 15 working at the farm and the projects we have in, in the slums. Um, so pray for them and then pray for us and the team that we're faced with many challenges and you just need God's wisdom. So so pray that God gives us wisdom when, when we're dealing with these ones and pray the anointing on, you know, like the Sunday school teacher's trainings that Margaret does pray that they are led by the Lord because you get 20 people come in for Sunday school teachers training, all of them have got different issues and pray that the teachers can uh, have the wisdom to deal with those our guys, social workers and teachers and agricultural workers on the farm pray that they have wisdom and Margaret and I, we need wisdom how we manage things and stuff like that so, yeah. And we need the touch of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost on us. Okay?
1: What, um, what we might do is i just invite up um, maybe some of the church leaders, if they want to jump up. We just want to pray for them uh, before we finish the service today. Um, so if I can invite your prayer team as well, maybe come up. We'll just come around and, um, and we, we just want to pray for you both. And maybe I might invite Gwen up as well, if you want to come and pray. Um, and church, why don't we just stretch out our hands? You to Yeah.
3: Okay. Hi, Margie. Hi. Um, yesterday at home, I had this little story pursuing me all day, and I couldn't work out what it was to do with and this morning when I was having time with the Lord it struck me and the story is if you could just bear with me for one moment Um, I as most of you know have been was a trained artist in the past but I decided to do a new type of uh, painting but it takes a lot of work and I remember one day I was sitting down there painting a kookaburra and as I was doing it I thought oh, this is rubbish. And I thought, put it aside. I thought, that's it. I I failed on that one. And then I went over and I was having a prayer time. And in the middle of the prayer time and worshipping and seeking the Lord, suddenly I stopped and I got an idea from the Lord how to fix the Kookaburra. So I went up to my desk and I painted and I did this idea and then... Uh, I finished it, put it in the art gallery and sold it straight away. And the lesson I got out of it was that when you're painting, and this is the same as life, there are a few ugly phases. With watercolour, you have to push through the ugly phase. And I really believe you guys have pushed through quite a few ugly phases. And I think God is excited about you and the paintings you've painted over this lifetime Um, the lives that have been touched and influenced. I've actually had prayer times for you guys, which is on Fridays, so you should feel something on Fridays. Um, I've sat there and I've prayed and I couldn't ask for anything. All I could do was get overwhelmed with gratitude for the uh, incredible fruitfulness and effectiveness and the painting that he's painted over your lifetime in Africa. And that artwork is including many people's lives and oftentimes when I used to get like this, I'd weep and I would see trees and vines and fruit trees and, and a, a beautiful, spectacular painting. Um, but I do believe that it also it's in you guys, your lives. You have pushed through some uglies and he's making a very beautiful thing. And I couldn't explain to you the joy I used to feel when when this would happen to me of love for what you've done and God's love for you guys. And sometimes he just rejoices and rejoices and and carries on a bit like a pork chop because he's (laughs) delighted. He has delight in you guys. Everything you've done He's rejoiced over. Think of all those boys, all of those young children. And just for everybody's sake, Margaret and Miriam went across to Nepal one year uh, to visit the Bible school where I used to go to teach each year. And um, they had so inspired the students of the school to go out into the surrounding districts and reach out to children. And in the process, they found a man who was a slave in a factory and he had two children, no wife, two children. One was six and one was eight. And let me tell you today that the, uh, the oldest one, who is now 19, is passionate and on fire in Bible school because of that. And her sister is following on in her footsteps. So this is like the, a sea coming from Africa across to Nepal, And they sent me pictures of this girl from Nepal and I am so grateful that there were people with that kind of vision to go to Nepal to inspire, to bring change even in Nepal. So I just love your work and I know God does. I find he is very rejoicing over it because you've pushed through many uglies. And I think that's life for all of us, isn't it, to push through uglies and then Uh, have God intervene like he did when I was with the kookaburra and then suddenly there's a beautiful thing made. So I just think I'm looking at gold here and beauty. Okay. Lord, I just thank you for these treasures. I thank you because you've chosen them for your purposes since way, way back, God. You had plans. You had plans, Lord, to improve and change Kenya and to challenge lives, to stir people, to passion for you. Lord, I just thank you for their resilience, their resilience through all sorts of stuff and their pushing through the ugly phase. Lord, and then touching you in the situation and producing incredible artwork for the kingdom of God. I pray effectiveness for all the work with the young people teaching um, children and for all those boys on the farm and for in the church, Lord, all their encounters. Those in the Kibera slum, Lord, there'd be many, many souls saved and renewed uh, because of their contact there. Lord, we want to see the slum changed. Lord, we just thank you. The way you work is inspiring and we just want to exalt you for it, Lord. And because you are so great and so glorious, we thank you for it. Amen. Yeah, Lord, we just declare a, a fruitful season as they run hard, as they return, Lord. We just pray that this season as they run in Kenya would be more, have more influence than the combined time that they've been there. Lord, you can do the things that are impossible to man, and Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for divine influence, and we just pray for this season as they return, that for everything they touch, Lord, we've heard the testimonies of the past, but Lord, we would pray that 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 would just be accelerated as they go back. Lord, that you would raise up men and women that would come to them and want to put their hand to the plow and see this ministry not only continue, but expand and be accelerated for the glory of God.
1: Amen. Why don't we just thank them and, and, and honor them both this morning. Thank you. thank you. Thank you both for coming and sharing with us this morning. Really, uh, really appreciate that. Thank
0: you.